Can I just say welcome home? It's the way I usually like to start when I stand up here. Welcome home to everyone in the room. Welcome home to everyone watching online. And welcome home to those of you that may be watching later on in the week as well. And uh, I know that probably uh, Pon and Brent will have to watch later on because they didn't get to see the baptism videos, even in its shortened form. Uh, we were standing behind anticipating what was going to happen. But welcome home. And a special welcome to those of you that have come here particularly to join us in the baptism of these people. And uh, as I said, it's not just a ceremony that we do. It's a step of discipleship that we participate in. So will you stand with me as we pray together before the Word of God? Father, I thank you the privilege that we have to be in this room watching what's going on, being part of what is going on as a baptism, but, but also the privilege that we have of worshiping you and coming around your word together. And we thank you for that. I pray for those of the, those of the people in this room and watching online that maybe feel far away right at this moment, far away from community, far away from you. God, I pray that something that is said, something that is sung, even the welcome, the incredible welcome that we have here at Circle. Lord, I pray that that will draw them, draw their attention to you. I pray as we, as we get together and, and think about a few thoughts that I've prepared, God, I pray that it will be what you want to say to people, not just what I want to say to people. Amen. Why don't you grab your seats? So... One of the things that I guess I'm trying to maybe just tweak slightly is participation. How many of you go to sporting events? Three of you? Three of you go to sporting events. So, thanks Derek. Can I just say, when I ask that, I'm not asking for your money, okay? It's not a trick question. I'm not gonna get you to run down the front. I'm not gonna baptize you. I am simply asking you a question. Do you go to sporting events? It's not a bigger thing than that. Thank you. Yes, oh look, I knew you were awake. Okay. I, I, am a, I think I'm a good spectator, because I love sport. I would go and watch, if England were, were playing Australia at Tiddlywinks, do you know what Tiddlywinks are here? It's really, it's a kid's game. If England were playing Australia at Tiddlywinks, I would go and pay to watch it, as long as I know we were going to win, because Australia and England have this long history of sporting events. Anyone watch the tennis yesterday? Oh, yeah. I love the fact that it was Canada v Canada, but all us Brits... We've owned Emma now. She was born in Canada, but because she grew up in, in, uh, in the UK, we've, we've now, we now own her. Um, but essentially, I'm, I'm already part Canadian. So I just say, well, Canada won either way, so it doesn't matter. Um, there you go. But I, I love sporting events, and I love getting involved. Um, when my nana, when she was alive, used to love tennis, and, and she'd sit in a big recliner chair, and uh, I don't know that she'd ever played tennis in her life, but she loves, loved Wimbledon. And she'd be like, come on, come on. 
and her leg would be kicking out like this in a recliner chair. She got involved. Can I say, can I encourage you, even if it's just a hand in the air or a amen or a, that's good, John, get involved. In worship, the Bible is really clear. We lift holy hands. Now, you may say to me, well, that's not me. I can guarantee at a sporting event, you'd be very different from what you are here. Yes, you know I'm talking to you. You see, what we've done is we've, we've almost created this mystique about being in church that we, we're not allowed to be who we are. And we pretend that when we're in church, that's who the real me is. No, no. We find out who the real you is when you're at a sporting event. Or when you're at a child's recital. Yeah, come on. You're waving. Did you know it's okay to do that in church? Without the swearing at the referee. Okay, none of that, Desiree. Just, anyway. But it's okay to participate. It's me talking, but it's okay to encourage and be involved and get and be good at encouragement. So anyway, we, my wife and I, completed potty training for three children many, many years ago. Anyone that's in the middle of it, you know the hell that you go through. Thank goodness we've completed potty training. It is a beautiful season of accidents, smells, throwing away underpants, if that's what you call them, that's what we call them, knickers. We buy new ones. I made a decision, if there were accidents, I am not cleaning them, and I do the laundry in our house. So I just made the decision, I'd rather go into the cheapest shop and buy bulk load. You know, you go into Costco and you buy knickers for the kids, and you come out like this. Costco's that place where you go in, you go in for a tin of beans and you come out, you come out with a hot tub, don't you? <laughs> How could I resist? It was such a bargain. They had to learn that they didn't need their nappies, particularly during the daytime anymore. And they were very proud of that when they accomplished that. But did you know that potty training is actually not about potty training? It's really about helping kids enter a new stage of their development. It's not like we train the child and expect them to become experts at using the potty. We don't do advanced potty training for teens, do we? We just teach our kids to potty train and, and uh, to, to use a potty and then that's it. And then we move on to something else. At 17, hopefully, your children are not particularly proud that they don't need nappies during the day anymore. You see, we let go of things as we grow. We let go of things, not because they were bad, because we needed them at the time, but we have to let go of things to be able to move on to the next stage of our development. And with nappy training, the focus is not trying to stop the pooing in the nappy, the focus is to teach them to poo in the potty. We eventually don't have to worry about the nappies or the potty or wiping their bottom. They will move forward. That's really what I want to talk about today, and I'd love you to turn your attention to the screen, not to the back of my ball patch, but just to watch a, a brief video. Wilson, where are you? 
If you don't know, this is the film Castaway. It's a story of Chuck Nolan, who is a FedEx engineer, and he, his plane crashes, crashes onto a, a desert island, and he was deserted and stuck there for four years. But he manages to survive, and eventually builds, builds himself a home on the island alone, but he builds himself a raft. And uh, the raft gets him off the island, but he hits this storm. And at this moment, you see here, see, he has to make a choice. Wilson is this volleyball. And I actually, when all my stuff gets here from the UK, I have a, a copy of this volleyball with Wilson's face on the front to remind me of this. He has a choice. Is he going to choose to chase after Wilson, who in some way became his friend, in some way helped him keep some resemblance of sanity, even though he's talking to a volleyball. I mean, go figure. Does he swim after Wilson, the ball that helped him get through the time on the island, but was tied to his past, or does he keep hold of the raft that is tied to his future? I want to ask us the question, have you ever thought what what do we hold on to? I, I, I mean, what do we really, really hold on to? We've all faced decisions about what we hold on to and what we let go of, and some of them are fairly easy decisions, like learning to poo in the potty, learning not to poo in the nappies. Some of you all, always, all you're going to remember of this is how many times I've said the word poo. How many of you still suck your thumbs? Now, not many of us still do that, so, but many of us started as children and we did that, but we've let go of that. What are other things that you've had to let go of in the past? Hopefully, not many of you are in nappies either. But it's a bit more complicated, isn't it, than, than just physical things. Sometimes it's, it's habits, not habits like sucking your thumb, but how we respond or we react to people. Sometimes it's addictions that we have to learn to let go of. Sometimes it's relationships, ways of thinking 
or behaving. And the problem that we often have is, is that we try, and, we try and cling to them, and some of them were good behaviors that helped us get to this point in life, but some of them not necessarily were. But even if they were positive things, it's time to let go of some of those things because the things that have helped us in the past are not always the things that are going to take us towards our future. And often those behaviors, thinking and habits have helped us feel secure. We can hate them at times, but they bring security with them. Things like fear. For me, I wonder if that person, I wonder if I say that or do that, if that person's going to disagree with what I do or don't do, and maybe then put it up on, on Facebook or some other social media, and I have to deal with the outcome of that. Bitterness. That person that pervades our thoughts all the time. Sickness. Not, not holding on to the sickness itself, but sometimes the response that we get from people because we are sick. Sickness can become our security blanket. What about, what about rejecting people before they reject us? It's a good one. What about our limited expectations? I'm only or I'm just. And we use that as, as our security blanket. Relationships that we hold on to. What, what about COVID isolation and, and, and what they, the anxiety that has come from that has done to us? And we can justify what we hold on to. That's just the way I am. You should love me the way that I am. Well, we do. But just because we love you the way that you are doesn't mean to say that you shouldn't change. You don't understand where I'm coming from. You don't understand my background or what's happened to me. And we try to hold on to things. And we know what we're holding on to by the things that we often excuse the most about ourselves. What about the fact that I, I just don't fit in there, so I need to find somewhere else. And we keep moving from place to place, community to community, because we don't feel that we fit in. The question that I want us to think about is, what are we looking at? Because what we're looking at is what we're focusing on. And what we focus on is often what we're holding on to, and that's where we continue to head. You know, and COVID has rightly caused us to isolate from each other, but now we are isolated. And I want to ask and us to think about what unhealthy behaviors have come from the healthy decision to isolate. It's gone very quiet out there. Are you still with me, church? Because I want to say this, it's time to move onward. But there are things that we need to let go of to do so. This year is a year for us as a church to move onward. Now, moving onward does not negate the value of the things that we let go of. And actually, some of the things that we devalue them sometimes by holding on to them. Exodus 40 verse 36 says this, 
Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. This is the account of the children of Israel as they wandered through the desert. And I talked a bit about it in terms of baptism. And God would get them to move by taking this cloud that he had or this, this pillar of cloud or a, a pillar of fire by night. And he would get them to move by the cloud moving and they would just simply follow. And they would move onward. Does that mean we have to get up and leave the church and go somewhere else? Not necessarily. Do we, do we leave our job, our family, our friends? Well, actually, that's what we did. That's what the Cook family have done. We felt it right at the right time and had it confirmed in so many ways. And we've ended up by God's providence here in Saskatoon. And we love it here. But our journey onward is not just about doing better in life. It's about being made into the house of God. 1 Kings 5, 17 says this, And the king commanded them to quarry large stones, costly stones, and hewn stones to lay the foundation of the temple. And you may say, well, what's that got to do with moving onward? Here's the, here's the thing that I love. You see, the word onward that I used in the, in the scripture earlier from Exodus is the same word that's used here to quarry. So onward is not just about getting up and going. It's about being shaped. It's about things being knocked off and, and things being shaped and being placed within community. The craftsmen took the stones from the, from the, from the quarry and, and shaped them there and then moved them. And that's what God did with the children of Israel. He shaped them. He moved them forward from where they were. And that word is about taking out and leaving behind, being shaped for purpose. But it starts, and it can be a painful process. For us as followers of Christ, it can be a painful process because we have to allow ourselves, we have to allow God to shape us into the shape that he wants I don't know if you were here when I spoke about God is a consuming fire. You see, God doesn't take off of us who we are. He takes off of us who we're not so that we can be fully who we are. Being excavated out of who we were and being taken and being built into something else. Moving onward means sometimes we have to leave things behind. Being made into the house of God means that there is some shaping of us that needs to happen so that we can fit alongside of each other. See, God came to take us off the islands that often separate us. And we can build islands around our lives, and we have never needed COVID to do that, but COVID has exacerbated all of the things all of the islands, the islands of bitterness, of individuality, the islands of legalism. It has to be done this way. Islands of unresolved offenses. And an island can be anything that we use to keep others away or hide ourselves on. Let me, let me say to us in this room and online, I believe we all have them. What's yours? What, what's mine? And you... You think, well, I don't have an island, but when I start poking, when you have a reaction, 
That's probably the island that you've used to keep other people away. And we cannot live on an island and be built into a house that God wants to live in. So like Chuck Norris, not Chuck Norris. I wish it was. I love Chuck Norris. Chuck Nolan, is it time for you to get off your island? Let go of some of the things that you've held on to from your past. Not everything. But there are things that we've held on to, like Wilson, that we cannot hold on to and hold on to the future that God has planned for us. And so what are you looking at? What are you focusing on? Some of you know I used to be a water ski coach and one of the main disciplines that I was involved in with was slalom. And you'd, you'd go around a set of buoys, I think you say here, we say boys, skiing behind a boat. And one of the things that I'd look when I was coaching is where's, where's the water skier looking? Because if they're looking at the boy in the water, they're going to probably go past it and be very late for the next one. But if they're looking upstream, they'll go around it. What are you focusing on? Because you will head towards what you're focusing on. Philippians 3. And this really, this really is the key scripture that I want us to think about. 12 to 14. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There are so many strength words in there. Apprehended. That word is, it, it's used almost like a, a policeman grabbing hold of someone that they're chasing and holding on to them so that they can't let go. I press on, straining forward. But I, I want you to notice this. Paul says, he writes two things. He says, I leave the past behind and I head towards. But right at the beginning, he says, this one thing. This one thing, but then he names two. See, we can only focus on going forward. We don't teach a child to stop pooing in their potty. We teach them to move on to nappies. This one thing that I do, I press on. There are things that I keep saying this, there are things that will take you into your future, but will involve let you letting go of some of the things from your past. Not necessarily bad, but they are just not in your future. Forgetting the things. Paul talks earlier about some of the things that he needs to forget, and it wasn't his failures. Paul, when he talks about the things that he needs to forget, and I haven't got time to read the whole passage of Scripture, but Philippians 3, 4 to 11, he talks about some of the incredible things. He says, you know, when it comes to exams, I got A stars. When it comes to my job, I was the top of my job. I was, I was in the right family. I was birthed in the right place at the right time. I, I did everything right. I attained everything, but they count for nothing. 
in terms of what I want to head towards. You know the word he uses when he, he says they count for nothing. The Bible, the, the translators use an interesting term. They say rubbish. It's actually a much stronger term than that. It's the slang term for excrement, and I'll leave that to your imagination what that would be. But Paul is saying in the strongest terms, these really good things that I've attained, these really good things that I've been born into and I've had in my life, they count as what you would find in the dog park. And you would pick it up and you put it in a bag and you throw it away when you compare it to what I'm heading towards. I count all of these things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. He knew what his focus was. It wasn't a what was his focus. It was a who was his focus. His successes. The very things that would have given him confidence in standing with a group of people, being able to talk to them. Those things that gave him confidence, he said they're worth nothing. He counted them as nothing. Hebrews 12 tells us what our focus should be. 1 and 2 says, Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin. There's a difference between weight and sin. You see, the weight can be not bad things, but things that hold us back. I used to do sprint training, and I'd run with a sled of weights on behind me, and it would hold you back. It would slow you down. But then there's the sin as well which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. That was his focus. It wasn't a what. It wasn't a success. It wasn't the next stage in his development. It was the who. What are we keeping as our focus? The author and finish of our, our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He went through the stuff because he could see beyond the stuff. What's causing us to slow down? What's entangling us? What's stopping us? Maybe our focus is in the wrong place. Paul knew what his focus was. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is our focus. We have to let go of past hurts, past attitudes, past methods, past relationships, the things that have slowed us down, things like fear, guilt. Guilt is, is us being manipulated by our past, punishing ourselves by sabotaging our success and our future. We hide our shame and we live with regrets. Maybe it's a desperation for approval. For some of you younger people, it's the likes on Instagram and Facebook. I know I'm not young. But I love to see, oh yeah, so-and-so liked the picture of my car. It's just a car. But I want to check who's liked it. Who, who's made a comment on it. And, and that's okay. But if we live for those moments, we've got a problem because we're being slowed down by a desperation for approval. And we can allow lots of things or people to become our focus. So again, I ask, what are you looking at? Those, those of you through online, what are you looking at? Are you looking to Jesus, the author and finisher 
of our faith. Peter, when he got out of the boat, he was called. It was like Jesus said, come, Peter. And Peter got out of the boat. How amazing. But he took his eyes off Jesus and his faith left him and he began to sink. Let's, let's step back onto the island just for a moment. Maybe you're stuck there and haven't moved yet. See, Chuck was on the island for four years before he built a raft and left. What will get you off your island? What will, will cause you, like Chuck, he'd had, Chuck, Chuck had had enough, decided to move off the island. Are you happy, content, comfortable, being lost with a lost focus? Many of us have no reason to get off our island because there's a security on the island. If we head to the sea, it's unknown. It can be dangerous. Revelation 3, there's a, one of the messages to the church. It says this, I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You, you say I'm rich and I've acquired wealth and I don't need to think. You're saying the church is on an island and they're satisfied, they're comfortable. We don't need anything, thank you. We don't need our life messing up. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counseled. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve or medicine to put on your eyes so you can see. The church was saying, we've got it. We've got our great worship team and we've got all the stuff that we need. But God's saying, you haven't. You think you've got everything, but the reality is you're stuck on an island. And I want to take you off the island into your future. And I would say the church pre-COVID, not our church necessarily, but the church, particularly the Western church, has become comfortable with our success, but we haven't realized the island that we've been on. You know, Jesus tells the parable of the, of the prodigal son, and it wasn't till he realized he was eating the pig's food, or, or, or when he looked at the pig's food, he, didn't say, he looked at the pig's food and he wanted to fill his belly with it. It was at that moment that he came to his right mind. It was at his lowest point, and sometimes it's our lowest point, and we need to be at our lowest point before we realize, what am I doing? Why am I on this island? Abraham was doing well for himself. But God gave him a promise. He didn't, he didn't tell him where to go. He just said, get up and go where I'll tell you. Get off the island and go, and I will show you where you need to go. Maybe it's the word of a friend or a brother. Andrew brought Simon Peter, his brother, to Jesus. They were both disciples. They were doing well. But Andrew said, I've seen someone that you need to meet. And he took Simon Peter to meet Jesus. Peter jumped out the boat when he saw Jesus, but he took his eyes off him and began to sink. 
So let me ask you again, what are you looking at? What's your focus? Is it Jesus or is it success? Now, there is nothing wrong with success in the workplace, with with a great family, with a lovely house, with a nice car. There is nothing wrong with those things. But if they become our focus, if they become the thing that we chase, if they become the thing that we, we are desperate to acquire, then we have a problem because we've made those things the island that we cannot leave. But if our focus is continually Jesus, we will be overcoming fear by love, power, and a sound mind. We will overcome bitterness with forgiveness. We will overcome the past with knowing that he holds the future. We will overcome our attitudes by taking on the attitude of Christ who took on the nature of a servant. Are you still with me, church? You might have thought this was going to be a funny message and, hey. You see, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to us because this is me too. Yes, we've lifted our family up and come over here, but I can still have my own little islands and do. God is speaking to me saying, it's time to get off my island and deal with some of the stuff that maybe I haven't dealt with and should have done by now. They've become my excuses. It's not about where you are, but it is about who you're looking towards. Paul says you can only do one thing. You can head towards, but in a heading towards, you cannot hold on to what you have behind. What you leave behind may have been useful at one stage, but it is no longer useful. And it won't take you to where you need to go. Today, the choice is yours. What, you have got, what has got you this far is not going to take you to where you need to go. And the same is for us as the church. As individuals, we have a choice. We can be quarried out, shaped for purpose, and shaped by God, and built into his house. But also as a church, we have a choice. What do we need to let go of in order to move forward? Yes, there are some things that we continually need to hold on to, our theology and our doctrine. But often it's not the theology and doctrine that have become our problems. It's our preferences that become our theology. We can't let go of that. Together. Together we keep our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's the first and the last. He's the one who loves us the way we are, but shapes us into who he wants us to be. There is no excuse with him of saying, just love me as I am, because he does. But he also shapes you into who he wants you to be, not who you necessarily want to stay as. Jesus is the one who forgives our past. He gives us life in the present but he gives us hope for our future. He and he alone is the one that will enable us to move onward. Can I pray with you? Father God, I thank you for this word. God, I pray that 
it will be taken in the way that I have tried to give it in love, but also as a challenge. I pray, God, that we as individuals will move onward, but we as a church will move onward. This is kickoff Sunday. Yes, we're still in COVID and things are rising, but God, you want us to move forward as a church, as your body. God, I pray that you will, you will be pointing out things in each of our lives that need to change, that we need to let go of to step into what you want for us, God. Amen.